This is The Drive with Dale Lally and Matt Williamson on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR. Steelers Nation Radio. Welcome to The Drive. I'm Dale Lally. He is Matt Williamson, and it is a Monday here in Pittsburgh. And Matt, hard hard as it is to believe, last week at this time was the opening of the legal tampering period. In the wow. NFL, <laughs> one week, day, right? It's crazy. All the things that have happened around the league since then, then all the free agents that have now found homes, and all the mock drafts we could tear up because you know they signed somebody at that position or whatever, or a big trade that went through, right. or right. what have you. I mean, you know, we're still waiting to see what happens with Aaron Rodgers. Although I don't think there's people are talking about that trade. We haven't talked a ton about that one, Matt. Mm-hmm. Um, people are talking about this like the Jets have some kind of leverage over Green Bay right now. Right. They really don't. Yeah, I don't I don't see that at all. Like the actually the Packers have the leverage because at this point, all the quarterbacks are gone in free agency. Right. And Jets quarterback the, I mean, if it's yeah, all right. And the Jets have the 13th pick in the draft, which means they probably aren't going to get one of the top quarterbacks in this draft unless they want to, you know, move Earth and Sky to to, to uh to, to go up and get one or sign Lamar Jackson. They could. I mean, that's a totally different system in terms. I mean, they, they hired a very Aaron Rodgers friendly offensive coordinator, not by accident, of course. And everybody could adjust. I guess Lamar could end up in green in, in New York, but that wasn't at all their plan. I mean, they're assuming it's going to be Rodgers, and that's how they've structured their team and Lazard and, um, the other misconception here too is I don't think Rodgers has a no trade con. You know, if somebody else, if Atlanta called him and said we want Rodgers, I'd say, okay, we could move him. He could always yeah. retire. No, he could retire. Yeah, that's his that's his trump card at this point because he's right. made a gajillion dollars. Yeah, but there's and gajillion. you don't need a whole lot of money if you're going to go lock yourself in a dark room and you know. <laughs> <laughs> Sing kumbaya to yourself, huh? right? And I'm sure he'll be fine in his, you know, after his football life is over. Um, but there's a big, I mean, he's getting a huge contract this year that he'd be leaving on the table. He said he wants to play, whether you know, who knows how valuable that is at this point. And my bet is the sticking point is that first round pick. I, I mean, I've talked about this a lot on other airwaves. If I'm the Jets. I'm giving you this year's two and a conditional pick next year, just because I don't know if Rogers is going to retire after the year. I mean, I, I'm, I can't. You would need a, you would need assurances from him that he's going to want to come back. But again, right. he's a he's going to be a 40 year old football player. Exactly, exactly. It could end at any time. It could end at any time. You're right. And meanwhile, though, only one of these two teams has a quarterback, not named Aaron Rodgers. Yes, but <laughs> moving on with love. And at least have a guy. I mean, they can line up and play today. The Jets can't. Right. That's the that's the you know the the sticking point in all this. The Jets have the leverage. No, they don't. They don't have a quarterback. Well, and the longer it goes, and it's probably gone long enough for that. That there's no Jimmy. There's no Car. There's no, you have one option, and now you're in trouble if you're the yeah. Jet. What they should do is open negotiations with Lamar Jackson, even if they don't intend to sign him. At least have that smoke screen out yeah. there. Well, that, we, hey, we're hey Lamar, you want to talk? What's Lamar going to say? No, right? No, I mean that, that's not a bad point. I mean, even if it doesn't happen, or 
boy, the Jets are in talks with the Cardinals for the third. Or they, or, you know, they they give the Rams a call. Hey, you know, what's yeah. what would it take to get Stafford? Not much. I don't think it would get be, be expensive to get him at all. Then you would be forcing the hands of the of the Packers. Like, okay, we got to we got to accept what's on the table here. Yeah. We're going to get stuck with holding uh, stuck with Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> it does seem like the Jets have told the world. And it's Rogers, Rogers or bust. Yeah. And Rogers did tell the world I'm playing for the Jets next year. Well, you're not, they're not your employer at the moment, Aaron, and you can say anything you want, but they're not going to just cut you and you're just going to mosey to New York. Yeah. So it, it's just a fascinating situation. Um, speaking of fascinating situations, Matt, and yeah. this, this is what they call uh, a segue in uh, the radio business. Steelers on Sunday or Saturday night, I should say, created a little bit of a fascinating situation on their offensive line with the uh, signing of Isaac Samalu. It hasn't been announced yet by the team, but he has tweeted out that he is joining the Pittsburgh Steelers, and, well, that's just a matter of uh, waiting for the paperwork to come through for the team. Um, you know, I, I think we all assumed when they signed Nate Herbig that, well, he's going to compete at left guard with uh, Kevin Dotson. Yeah. And, uh, well, they get somebody who's not going to be competing with Kevin Dotson at left guard. He's going to be the left guard. He's going to be the left guard. I, I'm, I really like the signing. I mean, because he didn't do it the day, first day or two, which was one week ago, which is how we opened the show, you know, when things were crazy. So I, I think you get things a little bit more on your terms. There's familiarity there through the Whitehall connection, of course, but uh, I mean, they might have been interested no matter what. He's a really good player. He's a, a second or an alternate Pro Bowler guard. He's so I think he's a pure guard that can do other things and is being brought here to be a guard. I mean, to be the left guard, but he's not like Herbig's a bigger masher than him. I mean, in terms yeah. of their body types, he's not three fifty. He's not three thirty. He's a little longer. He's got long arms. He's almost 6'4". He's leaner. I've seen many people just rave about his intelligence and football acumen. Well, he comes from a football family. His his yeah. his dad is the defensive line coach at San Jose State. Yeah. His sister works as a – I believe she's in pro scouting with the 49ers. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. He's got a brother that's now playing in, in college, I believe it. I want to say Oregon State or San Jose State, one of those schools, and another brother who's also a coach. Like this, this wow. is a football family. I mean, family okay. yeah, every one of his brothers and sisters works in football, as does his father. Wow, I knew his father. I didn't really realize all the sibling things. That's great. I mean, because so where I was going with this is, I think he is the left guard. I'm not trying to like throw things out there. He has played some snaps at center. He's played some snaps at tackle, but I wonder. <sighs> It's, it's, I'm trying. It's, I'm trying to make this not sound controversial because I think he's the left guard, but he would never get a shot to play center at Philly because they had Kelsey. You know, they had Kelsey. Well, yeah, he would he never was, have a chance to play tackle because they. So, had it, tackle, it, 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 his freshman year at Oregon State, he, he became the first starting center as a true freshman at Oregon State since the seventies. Right. Right. Like Twenty plus years. He and he was that guy. So he, you know, he could do that. Mm -hmm. It's not so, something he just does on the side. He's exactly. been a center. That's kind of what I was implying. Like, I know he doesn't have a ton of NFL snaps at center, but maybe a year from now you have a great guard and he could be your center or whatever. I, I just think the interior versatility they have now is immense. Yeah, I, you get the same thing with James Daniels. 
Right. Um, you know, it, it, the other thing that stood out to me about uh, Semalu, if you look at his agility testing, they're phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, they were outstanding. They were like, he moves like a, a much, much smaller man when it yes. comes to the three cones and, and those kind of things. And you see it in his highlights too. I mean, he hits moving targets. He's really good in space. And I'm not saying he's a left tackle, but really from a, uh, the way he's built, he's more tackle-less than Skaronsky. I mean, he's got longer arms. He's a, about the same height. You know, he's more agile, you know. So I, I just think he's a really good lineman. Yeah, I think that's what they were looking to add is just, you know, continue to add as many of those guys as you can and then see where, you know, where everything lands when, when it's all said and done. Uh, obviously now they have five interior offensive linemen with real NFL starting experience. Right. right, right, um, right. This probably all, all you can pretty much pencil or, or write uh, Kendrick green. That, that experiment is over. I would think um, right. he probably ends up getting released after this, you know, at some point during training camp, you keep these guys around through training camp, but I would believe that, Come cut down times in the NFL or even early in training camp, if somebody has injuries, Steelers' phone's going to be ringing. I would think so. And I don't have a problem with Kevin Dotson, but he obviously, he's the one that stands out as the one that is most likely to go. You yeah, know? he's got one year left on his contract. He's, you know, he's already, he's 26. I think he's a little older than people maybe believe, you know, know because he's, came here as a rookie, but he was, he was a bit older as a rookie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I think they've decided, Hey, we're, we're not going to continue down this road with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mistakes are, you know, the mental mistakes, the physical mistakes, whatever you want to call them, uh, are, are just too great. We're going to, we're going to line up with two guys in Somalu and, and Daniels, uh, with Mason Cole in the, in, on the uh, center, I would, I would guess I would assume, that, yeah. Now you've got a you've got a nice interior uh, part of your offensive line that, I mean, if if you're looking just at that part of the line, yeah, yeah, yeah. probably a top ten unit in the NFL on, on the interior. I, I think so. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just one of the better guard ter- tandems out there, and Cole more than proved himself last year. I mean, it, it's a good trio for sure with depth. I mean, with really good depth on the interior. I mean, they got right. like five starters. Now it doesn't mean Dotson has to go. I mean, no, you not, can hold on to him. I mean, he's a minimal cap hit. Yeah, it doesn't cost you much, right? So, and uh, you know, Sim Alu has also played some right tackle in his career. Yes, he has. Yeah, he has. And again, I think he has tackle agility and length and those things as well. So, again, just grab good linemen. Um, I know we both like Tipman and Michael Schmitz and those guys, but. I would think you got to be done on the interior. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I think with the money that you've spent there, the guys that you've acquired, um, you're probably not in that market this year, just unless it's late, unless you, you know, it's a, you know, a seventh round guard that you can maybe stash on your, on your practice squad for a year, you know, something like that. That's, but probably early in the draft that that's probably the case that yeah. you're not going to be shopping in that market. And again, it checks off another thing that you're not going to be in the market for come draft time. Yeah. I, I mean, I just think of this line. If you have exactly what you have and maybe a second or third round tackle, you're swimming in resources. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You really are. 
or even you know again even if you if you you get shot out in the draft and you bring back Matt Filer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're or fine. Even, yeah, or, you know, I mean, someone like that, you know, a journeyman that's, or, you know, that someone that's played. Yeah, right. So they they're going to add a tackle, and I think that'll yeah. be it. Yeah, I think so. And I, so I again, and I've been saying this for a while, beating this drum. This is going to be a defensive draft. I agree. I agree. I mean, to be honest, of in terms of primary needs, well, not even primary needs, but guy positions I would consider in the top three rounds. I'd consider a tackle. You know I'm infatuated with a tight end. But other than that, I think it's defense, defense, defense. And those two positions have to fall right for you. And if they don't get them, you don't get them, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you can kind of let the board come to you. And if if yeah. if one of those top three tackles is sitting there, okay, you can take them. Sure. Yeah, unless you've got somebody defensively who you have graded higher. Right. I, I'm not even – I'm leaning more and more not towards tackle in the first round. I'm thinking maybe like Dewad Jones at 32 or something. Bergeron like at 49 yeah. or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, something along those lines. You know, and those guys might be think you know, those guys are worth a second round pick. Absolutely, absolutely. They don't have to yeah. play now. They could be your sixth offensive lineman. You know, it's pretty clear they're going to run the ball up the middle. I think. By the way, I, I would say so. I would think that <laughs> that's the plan is to run the football. Yeah, And uh, I, I, so I've seen, you know, some people talking about that on social media, the Steelers are going to go out and try to run the ball in, in a, in a passing league. Are these people paying any attention to what's going on in the NFL right now? Right. I a hundred percent agree. I mean, teams are running the football teams ran the football last year yeah. when they've run it in, since in, in a decade. I mean, example, Sean Payton's considered one of the best offensive minds in the last 20 years. He gets to Denver, he gets a run-blocking offensive tackle, run-blocking guard right off the bat. <laughs> and Wilson's struggling, but not yeah. everyone at home, you know what I mean? I mean, Kansas City ran the ball more this year. Well, that's the thing. I mean, so you look at it and you say, okay, what's the best way? We'll say Mahomes because they just won the Super Bowl. What's the best way to beat the beat the Chiefs? You keep Mahomes standing on the sideline. Absolutely. In the and you run the ball down their throat. You know, you put together these, these long drives, and then you hope, you know, you hope he makes a mistake at some point, or you hope your defense gets a stop. So you build your defense up to where you can get stops, and yeah, you yeah. and you and you want to run the football. Mm-hmm. That formula, a has been around since since the start of football, mm-hmm. and there's a reason it's been around since the start of football because it wins, it works. Yeah, and everyone knows I'm as big an analytics believer as anyone. But I can't wait to see when the, the real analytics folks dig into run versus pass this offseason because yeah. this was a strange year in the NFL, and a lot of it was because of the styles of defenses you saw that teams like Atlanta and Chicago and the Giants that have no talent were really competitive for much of the year just by running the ball. I know all those teams had great records when it was all said and done, but it, it shortened they, the they stuck. They st- stayed in games. They stayed in games and got more out of their talent than they should have for much of the year. And the other thing that analytics can't account for is just the physicality of the game, which is never going away. You know, if if, if you're blowing this team off the ball and you're getting four, six per carry, but by the fourth quarter, you own the game, you know? Well, I think I think a lot of it, Matt, and we've talked about this over the course of the season, is is how many teams now play nickel defense as their base defense. Right. Or two They've gotten the linebackers have gotten smaller and faster. Yep. So, you know, you don't have these guys who are capable of getting coming downhill and 
lay in the wood to somebody. I mean, that was everybody's biggest complaint about Devin Bush. Oh, well, he, he doesn't come downhill and, and attack people. Well, yeah, he's a 230-pound linebacker. Mm-hmm. And he's you know, not that's not going to be – that was never going to be his strength. He's a sideline-to-sideline guy. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, if we run the ball straight at the sideline-to-sideline guys, you're probably going to fall forward a lot. Yeah, yeah. And, again, I mean, scoring was down a little bit this year too, so it wasn't like well, now we have to throw. I mean, and I don't think anyone's implying that Kenny Pickett's not going to throw the ball. Right. I mean, they still may add another pass catcher that's a weapon, you know, as well. I mean, well, look at the. I mean, look at the final four teams in this year's. Cincinnati could run the football, even though you you look at them and say, "Well, it's Joe Burrow in the in their passing game." They still had they still had Joe Mixon, right, right, right. They still had in P Ryan. Kansas City ran the ball more this year and played more ball control this year than they they had in previous years. Same thing. Forty Niners. Niners are a great run team. Yeah, as are as were the Eagles. Mm-hmm. And I know the Bills don't have a great running back, but they have a good running game. And yeah. they're, and they're and I think their biggest need right now is working on their run game. They, they realize their their weaknesses. Dallas was another top team. They run the ball well. You know, I mean, it's not like teams aren't one dimensional anymore. No, you better be. You know, especially you know if you play in the Northeast or in the AFC North, mm-hmm. better be able to run the football. Yeah. And again, they're not going to run the ball seventy percent of the time. No, know? no. They, they built something <laughs> in the second half of the season. They're going to continue to build off that and keep that strength the strength. Again, you know, it goes back to their their third down conversion rate last year. I mean, if you're putting Kenny Pickett consistently in third and four, right? I like the chances. If you're putting him consistently, like he did with Ben Roethlisberger over the latter part of his career, where it's always third and eight, no, I don't like Kenny Pickett's chances in those situations. No. Right, 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 right. Unlike and, any quarterback's chances in those situations. And no matter what your philosophy is, getting better up front on the offensive line is never a bad idea. And I I do think there's a little bit of a, a misconception with, with Sayamalu that he's just a run blocker. That's not the case. No, he's very agile. He's very good in protection. Again, those long arms, light feet. You know, he's not a big fat guy. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you look at it, Matt, um, James Daniels did not give up a sack last year. His protection is great. His protection is great. So Malu, I believe I looked this up, and this is of course according to Pro Football Focus. Yeah, but he yeah. was he was, I believe, tenth last year among guards in pass blocking and twenty second in run blocking. So and, and he is yeah. he, he's he's a little bit better in, in pass protection than he he's he's good at both. He is good at both. But, but he's gotten better protection. over the course of his career at, at pass blocking. Without a doububt and no matter what metric you use and I'll I, and honestly I think a lot of o-line metrics are it's eh, tough. Eh, yeah right, right, right. the difference between the 14th and 16th probably is nothing but even ESPN's pass block win rate and stuff is really good for those guys so two different sources are telling you the same thing at least you know yeah and he passes the eye test no doubt no doubt I mean he was a integral part of the best line in the league yeah so 29 it's a three-year deal um you know so you're you're getting a guy on that offensive line, um, you know, the one thing we talked about last year with that line was uh, youthful experience. Yeah. Well, now you get some experience experience. <laughs> and Herbig's youthful experience. I mean, yeah. he's only four, you know. Right. So, so you've, you've continued that, but you got a little bit you, – you go from Dotson, who – Dotson, believe it or not, was the least experienced guy in that line last year. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. Because he, you know, he he missed half of his second year. He missed basically. He didn't play his his rookie year uh, all that much. So he had less experience even than Dan Moore. So yeah. you've you've replaced your least experienced guy 
and, and that position is now your most experienced guy. Mm-hmm. No, that's a good point. And I, they don't give out a lot of three-year deals to teams you know, no. outside the organization, too. I think that's kind of telling. The other thing it does, Matt, I think it helps Dan Moore. Sure. Gives him a guy next to him who is, again, that experienced guy who can help him identify things, pick up some of the, the, the stunts and twists and things of that nature that, you know, and just give him a guy who's who's lined up next to him now that he can trust that, hey, I know he's going to do his job. And that, that's a great point because, you know, I, I, I mentioned a little bit the, the relationship in Philly. And after digging into to Sayamalu more and more, and you mentioned his family and all the stuff even adds up even more. He's kind of a brilliant football mind. You know, I mean, many different sources have said this guy can handle all the line calls to be one of the best in the leagues, but he's with an all-time great that's going to the Hall of Fame next to him at seven. So <laughs> Kelsey's going to do it for the Eagles. Yeah. You know, and, and so I'm just talking mentally. And But he's also learning from that guy, too. That, too. That's a great yeah. influence as well. So, I mean, so just – the communication between him and Moore and, you know, handling stunts and twists and, hey, this corner's coming, this linebacker's coming, is probably going to be light years better. And I, I don't even know if Dotson was good or bad at it, but he's inexperienced. Yeah, absolutely. So interesting signing, uh, unexpected signing. I didn't, you know, after again, after they made yeah. this, yeah, I didn't expect any other signings on the offensive line. And lo and behold, there it was. But So uh, interesting Hey, we're going to take a break. He is Matt Williamson. I am Dale Lally. You're listening to The Drive here on Steelers Nation Radio. And just a little uh, little tip for everybody. Uh, next year, next week at this time, Matt and I will be in Phoenix for I'm the sorry. league meetings. Uh, we'll be doing shows down in Phoenix uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And as we did at the NFL Scouting Combine, on Monday and Tuesday, you'll be able to watch the show on the Steelers YouTube channel. So you want to check that out as well. If you didn't get to see our shows that were on the YouTube channel. You can still go check those out and on the YouTube, on the Steelers uh, broadcast page on YouTube. So go ahead and check those out. Uh, but we're excited about doing that. Um, I've done owners meetings in the past, the league meetings in the past. This will be a first one for Matt. So yeah, I'm pretty excited. I've heard good things. We taking him down there to, uh, to sunny Phoenix and uh, showing him off. Uh, we'll have uh, lots of good guests and all that good stuff as well. So really looking forward to that one. Is it going to be Speedo weather down there? I don't know if we want to go that far, but if you want to show up in a Speedo for YouTube, <laughs> well, maybe, uh, yeah, you can you can go ahead and do that. I will not be uh, partaking. <laughs> <laughs> and let me know ahead of time if you're going to do that, Matt, because I want to make sure that I have blinders on. That's <laughs> right now we're going to a break, but we took the kids to Jacksonville for spring break one year. And you have to get in the pool, of course. You know, my <laughs> if you're the only ones in the pool, it's like 55 degrees. You think it's warm. Your your teeth, your your lips are blue. You know, it's like it really isn't. You know, swimming weather. You just think it is because you're coming from the north. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, we're gonna take a break. We'll be right back after this. <laughs> 